Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Aren't you glad that somewhere along the way, he got out of the church building. He got out of Sunday school classrooms. He got out of the polite, proper, well-ordered things and wherever we were. He found us. The one when all the 99 were safe. There's so many stories through the Alamo City family, and it's the story of the church in many cases, church on a bigger scale. What the Lord Jesus, what the Lord Jesus, not, not a denomination, not a, not a religion, not a religious structure, but the person of the Lord Jesus somehow, someway is still looking for lost sheep. He's still finding broken hearts to heal. And that's why we're here today, amen? That's why we're here today, because we, we, we believe that that is true. He is our story to tell. And I want to make a statement, and we're going to spend some time developing, I believe, the truth of the statement from Scripture this morning. Here it is. There's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. There's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. One more time. There's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. You say, Pastor, I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm not the prophet Jeremiah. I'm just me. What, what, what are you? How in the world does that apply to me that there is a miracle of supernatural dimension? Release, authority, freedom, and growth in my mouth. And you're telling me to speak it. I don't even know what the miracle is. Well, I hope you're at least curious so we can look and see what the Bible has to say about miracles coming through a spoken word of a human, of a believer, or someone who is not yet a believer, but a miracle through your mouth. If you if you need this morning a fresh start, a fresh start with life, if you need an opportunity to try again, because the choices that have been made and the circumstances that you've put yourself in have left you with a deep sense of failure, of loss, of defeat maybe. But if you need a fresh start, but then you also realize if something deeper than just another opportunity given to me doesn't change, 
then I'll end up probably back in the sand. I'll, I'll drive the car over the cliff again unless something changes deeper inside me. So if you need a fresh start, but you'd also say more than that, I need a new heart. It's my want-tos that get me in trouble. If you need a fresh start and you need a new heart, there's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. Uh, did, did, you, did you hear me? It, it, it's not the ones who have it all together that have this privilege. It's not the ones who've always done everything right that this is a true statement in. But if you need a fresh start, if you need a new heart, there's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. You say, preacher, where in the world did you get that? Well, I'm glad you asked me. I want you to find in your copy of the Scripture the book of Romans. Book of Romans. And I want you to let me read you, read together with us, starting in verse 8, Romans chapter 10. Now you're going to have to excuse me if I get a little fired up and get a little loud and stomp my foot a time or two. Because I believe there is so much power and freedom and there is so much hope in these words. Even if you don't feel much power, even if you don't feel like you have any strength at all to do right, even if you don't have any hope working right now, listen to the power in these words. Verse 8, Romans 10. But what does it say, Paul writes? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. And what's the word of faith that we're preaching? That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be rescued. You shall be delivered. You shall be given another chance to start all over again. You shall be set free. For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness and a place of right standing. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. The result of the confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord results in salvation, freedom, deliverance, rescue, a fresh start freedom. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Whoever trusts in Jesus will not be disappointed. Verse 13. Now look at this. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How are you going to call without a mouth? And what happens if you call with your mouth? 
that Jesus is Lord, that you speak that Jesus is Lord from your heart. You believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth. So what you're confessing with your mouth is what you're now believing in your heart. And sometimes the place of believing in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus can save me, is when I've just exhausted every option I have to rescue myself or to change myself. Sometimes he's the last on the list. He's not the first choice. But even though he may be last on your list, he still has the power to set you free and change you and me from the inside out. Do I have a witness with that? There's a miracle in your mouth. Even when you have no hope, Even when you know you don't have the strength to stop, to start, to quit, to change, to become. But if you with your mouth, because something is going on in your heart to convince you it's true. Jesus Christ is everything he claimed to be. And he proved it. Not only on his death on the cross as his blood was poured out to pay for all of my sins, your sins, the sins of the world, but that he was raised from the dead. He's not still in the tomb. He's not still suffering. He's not still dying. He's not still weakened. He is alive, triumphant over death. He whipped death. Death could not keep him. Satan trying to force death to keep him lost. And so when I confess with my mouth, when you confess with your mouth, because of something that is working inside you to convince you that it is true, you may have tried religion. You may have tried turning over a new leaf. You may have tried self-reformation. But when it has come right down to it, you've come to be convinced that my only hope is that there is a real Jesus and that Jesus somehow cares about me. And so from that place, I confess. That word means to say with. Say with. Not just think Not just ponder and consider as an option of 400 different options, but you have come to the point of feeling it, being convinced of it deep within you. You are convinced that Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. What does that mean? Master, sovereign over everything. How do we come to that conclusion? We come to that conclusion because that is what the Bible, that's what the Scripture says that He is. He will say, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The writer Paul and others would testify the fact that he has been given the name that is above every other name. that's, That's something we can know about Him and sense about Him. But here's where it comes down to where it rocks your world and can set you free. That when Jesus was hanging on that cross, he wasn't just dying for the sins of the world, but he was on that cross with you in his heart, and he was dying in your place. 
No one, it begins to drop. Nobody's ever loved me like that. Nobody's ever loved me enough to die for me. That was Jesus. Somehow these words change from words into something that grips you, that stirs you. And from that place of understanding that that's who he is, that's what he did, and that he's not dead any longer, he's alive, and therefore he's able to come and find me, meet me, knock on the door of my heart, and invite me to invite him into my life. Jesus is Lord. I confess. that Here's one of the greatest things about it. You know what? When we say Jesus is Lord, that means that Jesus is Lord over my sins, over my wrongs, over my failures. He's Lord over all of that. Why? How? Because that he took in his body, Peter will say, he took in his body our sins when he went to the cross and he paid the price for those sins. There's no new sin that can come up that Jesus hasn't already died for. You're not going to surprise him with some new mistake, some new sin. None of us will. When he went to the cross and he paid the price and he was raised from the dead, he was raised as Lord over all your sins and my sins. Those sins can't rule me anymore. I can't if I live in the past. I can't if I keep pondering them or I keep hanging around people who keep reminding me of what I used to be. But the truth is that when I confess Jesus is Lord, with my mouth, you got to say it. You can't just think it. That, the, the words are very clear. You say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you are declaring that he is the Lord, the master over all your sins. He's the Lord, the master over all your circumstances. You're willing to give to him the control and future of your life. Jesus is Lord. I confess that. I feel like there's somebody listening and maybe out in our streaming family, maybe right here in this room, who's just ready to say that out loud. You may never have done it before, but you're here this morning and there's something about to blow up in your chest because these words are matching with the words that are true in your heart. And it's important that you know, I got to say this again, you need to say it. It's not enough just to think it. You say it, Jesus, you are my Lord. As best I can declare it, as best I can understand it, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. Is anybody listening to me who has never done that? With your mouth, made that declaration, but right now you are ready to go on the record, step right in the middle of these verses, put your foot and stand on the promise of God and say out loud, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. Anybody here going to say that? I'm assuming that if you hadn't said it, you're not saying it now, it's something that you do have said. Amen? Now, you're, now get that. Let's go back. There's a miracle. There's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. What is it that I am to speak? Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. Not, not, not a denomination. Not Christianity in general. Jesus, 
Christ specifically and intentionally and directly, you were saying to him, Jesus, you are my Lord. I receive you as my Lord. Now, folks, when that happens, and this up here meets this that's coming up from here, because you can't, you can't say it and mean it if you hadn't begun to be convinced of the truth of who he is in your heart. But I'm telling you, over the years of preaching this gospel, of sharing this truth, calling folks to make that declaration, the stories of lives changed. The stories of hopelessly lost men and women, younger, older, who didn't have any other hope except this hope. And they bowed their hearts and they opened their mouths and would say, in effect, I don't deserve this. I can't earn it. But the best I can I declare with my mouth, moving my lips and my tongue is operating inside my mouth. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. The Lord over my sins. The Lord over who I am in my future. I confess you, Jesus. I say with God the Father, what he says about you. That's the word confess, to say with, to declare with. Now, folks, you can know all of Scripture. You can have six million Christian friends. You can be baptized 40 times in the Jordan River and still miss heaven. This is the key. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who gives forgiveness. It's Jesus who will impart power in you to be different. Why? Because he ceases to be a standard of measure, a standard of behavior out there. He now moves from there into here. And the moral strength that he provides changes men. The moral strength that he provides and exerts inside a heart changes the way we think and the way we can feel and be drawn. It's Jesus. Jesus, I receive you to be Lord over my desires, the memories of my past, the dreams for the future. I receive you, Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. There's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. Nobody can speak his name in this way for you. Mama can't do it. A wife can't do it. A, a, a godly uncle, they can't do it for you. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's one-on-one. -on -one. You and Jesus. Not God in general. Jesus is the God. He is that aspect of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All one, all three, all one. Hard for us to get, but that's how it is. And it was the role of the Son 
Jesus to die on the cross for your sins to be buried and to be raised again on the third day. There's a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. But if you never speak it, you never receive it. You can have the information. He died for the sins of the whole world. He offers forgiveness for the whole world. But you have to and I have to declare him. Jesus, like old Bartimaeus, the blind beggar in Jericho. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Folks, the testimony of the church is that's where it all starts. That's where the power begins to operate inside of life. That's where the freedom begins to come, but it is the, because it is the presence of Jesus inside the person making things new from the inside out. And if he's done it for others, he'll know how to do it for you. I told you there are times when I'm standing here preaching and I see four men I see four men who are in heaven, and sometimes I find myself not even aware that you're here, but wanting to watch the faces of those ones who are in heaven that I sense the presence of in this room and watching whether or not they're nodding, whether or not they're saying amen, and the testimonies of those four men whose names I've given before the earthly men influenced my life, but I'm telling you, they were all four men who were dramatically, radically set free by the power of Jesus Christ moving into their hearts, bound up and on their way to death and destruction. But then one day, they did this with their mouths and it wasn't all in a church. It wasn't all in a religious setting. Somewhere, sometimes, just at the, it would be at the, at, at, at the pinnacle of their desperation of having made a mess of their lives. Jesus, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. And they were changed. And he's still changing folks' lives. Amen. 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 Yes, he is. All right, that's, that's the first part of this. If you need a fresh start and you need a new heart, there's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it to receive it. The second one. If you need, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, as someone who has made that declaration, received Jesus as Lord, and you, you know what it is to walk with Him. But if you need a sense of His presence restored to your heart, if, if, you, if you need a sense of His closeness, Restored to your heart. If, if you need the joy of your salvation, as David put it, restored to your heart, then there's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. Let's say that again. If there's a sense that you need 
the sense of his presence, freshly, warmly, alive with you. There's a miracle in your mouth speaking. Lost the joy of salvation. There's a miracle in your mouth speaking. Go, go with me, if you would, to on toward the end of the New Testament. Book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. And let me start reading in verse 8, just two verses. This is written to believers. This is written to Christians. This is written to followers of Jesus. This is not written to the pagan pool. If we say, verse 8, that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is it that will bring a distance, a sense of distance, in the communion, in the fellowship between one of the Lord's children and the Lord? Is it that the Lord moves? Is it that the Lord checks out, becomes more interested in something else other than me or you? He doesn't leave, and He doesn't change. Here's, it's, a, it's like a picture of a of a, a dad or an adult walking hand in hand with a little guy, a little girl. And, and, and the dad knows the way to go. The dad knows how long it's going to take. The dad knows what the provisions are going to have to be in place in order for the journey to be completed. And that little hand is holding two fingers of the daddy. And they're walking. You and Jesus. You and Jesus. Walking. But then all of a sudden, the dad notices that those little fingers... I'm not still holding on to his hand. And he turns as he senses the loss of closeness. And he sees that little one, you and me, off on some other path, going after some other goal. The, the dad realizes here's safety. Here's blessing, here's protection, here's, here's provision. This is a direction, this is future, this is good. But you're going after something out there where there could be danger, where there could be harm, where there could be lack of provision, where there is a 
leaving, a leaving, a leaving of your walk with me. Folks, instead of us seeing sin to God, sin to Jesus as being something that just causes his face to turn red and his eyes to squint and him to get ready to throw a bolt of lightning at us, instead of seeing it that way, if we could see it as a sense of grieving his heart, that one he loves, one he's rescued, one he wants to bless and crown with favor, has either by distraction or just flat-out rebellion has left. And the grieving of his heart, realizing that that out there is never going to be what will satisfy the depth of the soul. For David to say, in thy presence, O Lord, is the fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. There's a miracle in your mouth if you are longing for the joy of your salvation to be restored, longing for the sense of His presence to be restored. It is. What is it? that has caused there to be a movement on your part, my part, our part, away from his presence. And then the cry, Lord, show me, because I want to step into 1 John 1, 9. You have promised it, that if I would confess with my mouth, if I would say with my mouth, List before you, put back before you the sins of my heart. If I would quit calling them other things, I would call them what you call them. Then you'd promise that you would forgive me and that you would cleanse me of all unrighteousness. To forgive means to release, to let go of. To drop it. But the word cleanse is the word that was used for the cleansing of lepers. It means to remove all filth. To remove all filth. You say, is it, can, a Christian, can a Christian get off into that stuff? Well, let's just answer that. We can just answer that. Yes. Yes. Well, we're walking with him, and we know the joy of his presence. We delight to know that he is near and that we are near. He never left. But where did we? And the cost has been the sense of the loss of his presence and the loss of the joy of our salvation. So what is the word? What what, what is in our mouth? Jesus died for sins, not for excuses. Jesus died for sins, not for blaming. That one. 
but it means that we own it. Blame is lost. We own it. And Lord, before you, I call it what you call it. The world can call things one thing. God calls them something else. So we're just trying to live with it and live past it hasn't worked. Where does the freedom come from knowing that from heaven he'll never bring it up again, that I am released and I am free, and that I am cleansed of all filthiness that I brought on myself? How do we get there? I call it. I call it with my mouth. I articulate the words. I call it what he calls it. You say, well, pastor, I hadn't robbed a bank. I hadn't shot anybody. I hadn't rear-ended anybody on the freeway and left the scene of the accident. So what are you talking about? You answer the question. Have you known his closeness? Have you felt his pleasure upon your life? A forgiven sinner. But then somewhere, somehow, some way, that's been lost. Instead of checking your report card with everybody else's report card and say, well, I'm better than that one. I hadn't done that. Lord, will you show me? Where have I hurt you? Where have I grieved you? Where have I not given to you that which you deserve from my heart of gratitude? Whatever it can be. You know, in the Lord, one of the big ones is Mercy toward others, forgiveness toward others. He 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 we walking along and, and, and he stands for mercy because he's been merciful toward us. But then this face shows up or this something happens and we begin to take the sense of revenge and retribution and so forth and have a hard time with the release. And so here's what we do. We leave the hand the presence of the one who knows how to bless us, keep us, take us into our destiny of fulfillment and blessing. We, we let go of that hand and we chase revenge. We, we can't. Jesus will say, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. All I'm asking you to do is follow me. Well, he's not chasing revenge, so who am I following? You fill in the blank. He is here. He is who he is. His love is rich. His freedom is massive. His invitation is eternal. Walk with me. Walk with me and you'll know my favor. You'll know my blessing. You'll know my goodness. Why have you left me? It isn't that we're taken off the list, the Lamb's list and those who enter heaven. It isn't that we lose. This isn't about losing salvation. This is about living our lives without the sense of Jesus, the sense of his presence, the joy of our salvation, the joy of our rescue. There's a word in your mouth. Speak it. You know, 
probably one of the greatest examples and records of what this is all about. This matter of being restored, this matter of finding again the joy of the Lord's presence, of experiencing again a fresh revival to your heart. It's recorded by David in Psalm 51. Now you say, the stuff that I've done, the things that I've done, I don't want anybody to know about. If David had had that as his mantra, we'd have never had Psalm 51. We'd never known the depth of his, the ache of his heart, but then also to rejoice with him in the, in the undescribable blessing of forgiveness and release and restoration. He slept with a man's wife, got her pregnant, had her husband killed to cover his tracks. For a year, for a year, He tried to cover it. And then the prophet Nathan came in and just read down through the events and the names that were affected by David's tragic fall. It was at that place that the prophet came and exposed David's heart, but It must have happened around the same time that David had had enough of trying to live a phony, empty, hollow life. And so instead of having the prophet killed or put in prison, he embraced the prophet. And he said, it's me. Who you're talking about is me. But then he writes this somewhere shortly thereafter. Psalm 51, be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the greatness of thy compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. The word there is a Hebrew word that can also be translated in English, perversion. Wash me thoroughly from my perverted acts and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me, continually, constantly, perpetually, without any interruption. My sin is ever before me against thee. The only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight, so that you are justified when you speak, and you are blameless when you judge. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence. Do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. 
restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted to thee. Then look at this. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, then my tongue will joyfully sing of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare thy praise. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. David is the head of state. David is a commander of armies. David is a writer of much of the scripture. Could have chosen to not even mention the sin of blood guiltiness. That means killing somebody who is innocent. He says, It's against you, Lord that I have sinned. It has impacted many other lives, but it's against you. And, and what, I've, what I've missed more than anything else is the sense of your presence. So here is a king who has, in a sense, literally gotten away with murder for this period of time. But he says... Restore to me, please, the joy of your salvation. Bring back to me, Lord, that place in my heart where I know I'm forgiven. And I know who has forgiven me. And I am again right with you by your mercy. And you have drawn near to me in your compassion. There's a miracle in your mouth. If you're longing for the joy of your salvation to be restored, longing for his closeness to be again real to you, there's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. What is it? It, it, it is the miracle of confession, it is the miracle of declaration God, you are right. I may have tried to hide it. I may have tried to ignore it. But it has cost me the dearest thing to me in the sense of your presence and your pleasure. I call it with my mouth. I call it with my mouth. David wrote it. He spoke it as he wrote. We declare it for our instruction. What you call it, God, I call it. And I plead your mercy and your forgiveness. If we confess, we, the church, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to say this. There's some things early on when we first come to the Lord and we sense God dealing with the big things, the big stuff, the big problems, the big issues, the big wrongs. We're having to break from things we pursued and people and situations. And so the bigger things 
are the most obvious. But I believe there'd be a bunch of you who would say with me, as we go on with the Lord, not that we've reached any sinless perfection, or we've gotten all the questions answered, we've come to realize that the Lord continues to deal with us in the place of setting us free and drawing us closer to Him. And so it can seem to be a minor thing, but when it comes to the closeness in being able to walk with Him, if it affects that, it's a big thing. And what other Christians may be free to do with no constraint, you can't run your report card up against their report card and feel like you've gotten permission to chase that, to pursue that. It isn't about bondage. It's about closeness. And not that the closeness is going to restrict us and keep us from living life and enjoy. But Paul would say, he's given to us all things freely to enjoy. Get after it and enjoy it. But at the same time, we are to realize that it is in his presence that there's the fullness of joy. So, so I can't... I can't make my behavior and the things that would operate in my relationship with the Lord, I can't enforce that upon you and you can't enforce that upon me because there may be some things that are just different, but they are real. They are real. I've been married to this woman for coming up on 45 years, and I know that there are some things that she's just never this side of glory going to like, that I like. The same thing from her side this way. So that at the place of wanting to be close to her and us enjoy fellowship with each other and, and, and as best friends, I'm not going to be trotting into our discussion something, some request, some something that I just know she wouldn't like. There are some things the Lord doesn't like. There's some things the Lord does like. And the more we get to know Him, our flesh is always going to try to pull us in selfish ways. But that spirit inside you will be working to bring you and me closer and closer into alignment that He likes that bless him, that honor him. And I'm not talking about just everybody having to become a Sunday school teacher or everybody having to, you know, spend 40 hours a week staring at the Bible. I'm talking about where you work and, and the folks that, that are part of your family and all of those kinds of things, that where you are, he is. And where you are, there are delights that he has that he would long to walk with you through and into the places of fulfillment and power and freedom and blessing to those around you. But it's still walking with him instead of dropping this and chasing that. There's a miracle in your mouth. I say it, I call it what you call it, Lord. I confess it as sin. And you have promised that if I would confess it, not just think about it, not just know it's there, are you getting this? Somewhere it's got to come up and we've got to say it or write it. Some way it's got to become words. 
We call it what he calls it. He's promised that he will forgive, he will release, he will drop it, and that he will cleanse us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, there's one more. There's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. The first one was, if you need a fresh start and a new heart, there's a miracle in your mouth, and it's speaking the name of Jesus. Jesus, save me. Speak it. The second one, if you need the sense of his presence restored, there's a miracle in your mouth. Call it what he calls it. Confess it. Confess it. And the guilt and the shame and the fear, the worry of his while living a life in distance to him is changed. Here's the third one. If you have heard a word from the Lord, there's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. If you have heard, you said, preacher, do you realize who you're talking to? I think so, because I'm one of us. Not perfect, not complete, but by his grace forgiven. And objects of this statement, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me in the direction that my voice to their heart has given them. They do what they have heard me say for them to do. Is that about every minutia of life? Not necessarily. But I believe a dad can hear the voice of the Lord for how to pray specifically for a son, for a daughter. I believe that a wife, a husband, can hear the voice of the Lord for how to pray for the spouse. You fill in the blank. The Lord speaks to his people. And when he speaks to us and we hear, it will be a direction, physical steps, material movement. But it so often is what I have given you to say, say it. Say it. The one who stepped out into nothing. Genesis 1, and said, he said, let there be. He didn't just wish it done, will it done. He said it. There's a miracle in your mouth speaking. Now, I want to take you to one of the most interesting sections of Scripture. Anywhere in your Bible, I believe, and it's in the book of Ezekiel. 
chapter 37. Ezekiel 37, and let me start reading. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many bones on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow, grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you that you come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bodies, our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Just quickly. There's a miracle in your mouth. Speak it. The prophet was taken in this vision to a place of no hope. There was no life. All indicators of life had paled in the distant past. The bones were many and the bones were very dry. But the Lord said, you prophesy to those dead, very dry bones. And you say to them, what is my heart for them? My heart is not that they stay dead. My heart is that they be restored to the place of future, the place of hope. 
Some of you may feel like a double first cousin of Ezekiel the prophet in the place where you're standing. But you know, as well as you know, you've got two feet and two hands. That somewhere from some source that is beyond you, a sense of what God wants in that impossibly bleak situation resonates in your heart. It doesn't go away. You try to walk away from it, and you can't. You try to draw some other conclusion, and you can't. I want to say to you, as impossible, as hopeless, as long lost as it may have been, what God has put in your heart, speak it. Speak it. Speak it. You say to those dry bones, come together. It happened as the Lord had spoken. He, he, he prophesied as he had been commanded. Now that, that's an important statement and it's repeated twice in verse 7 and 10. So I prophesied as I was commanded. This isn't about us about coming up with a list of wishes for God to do something, and then we stomp our feet and strut and, 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 and scream loud, God, do that. What if he doesn't want to do that? You ever tried to make God do something that he just isn't into for the moment? But when he commands you, when he puts a dream in your heart, when he puts something in your heart that you sense and it's been confirmed, it's from him. Then my exhortation to you is, you are not crazy. And even though time may pass and nothing has happened, you hold your position, you stay steady. You keep prophesying to those dead bones. You keep speaking. Because here's what happens. If that's what the Lord has called you to, and you're walking with Him, you're walking in fellowship with Him as long as you stay in that place of faith with regard to those dead bones. But the sense of grieving Him, without faith it's impossible to please Him. If He's called us to a place of faith, but we check out to the place of reason, then the sin of unbelief is something that the Lord will bring us back to. You've got to confess that before you'll ever know that restoration of that joy. I, I know what I was calling you to do. I know how impossible it is. I know how long it's been. But Lord, I'm going to stay here, believe in you. I will not walk away from this place of faith. I will declare what you have told me to declare, leaving the results up to you. But what happens here is way more important with what happens and when it happens out here. So the place of faith is the place of fellowship. The place of believing. And when he says speak, speak. There's a miracle in your mouth that may not happen unless you speak it. What would have happened if Ezekiel hadn't spoken this to the bone? What would have happened again and again and again when the Lord said, speak my word? 
and I will do it. So, oh, let's be, let's be found in the place, amen? Let's be found in the place of faith. Not that, well, what if I say it and it doesn't happen? That's on him. That's not on you. The place of obedience is the most secure place to be because then all the pressure to perform is on the one who called you to obey. You live free of the fear of performance. And you've spent your time sensing, Lord, this is what you want me to do, and by your grace, I'm going to do it. Lord, thank you for the time today. Thank you for the freedom to be able to speak what I believe is from your word and true to your word. But there's a miracle. There are miracles in our mouths. When you have commanded us, when you have instructed us, when you have given us the direction, oh Lord, oh Lord, may we speak it. May we speak it. In the name that is above every other name, family, will you say his name with me, the name Jesus. Let's say it again, the name Jesus. Amen and amen. And amen, and amen, and amen, amen. Well, let's stand together, could we? This is just a great group. I mean, we're seeing more and more of uh, these pews getting filled up as folks come back from our COVID vacation. You know, that it seemed like we've had to walk through and endure. It hadn't been much of a vacation at all. But thank you for being here physically. We bless you, streaming family for being so faithful in your encouragement and steady in your prayers. And I just want to say, for, on behalf of the many, the ministries around the world that we support locally and so forth, your financial obedience to the prompting of the Spirit coming this way really, really, really does help. Not only that the broadcasts keep going out, but that the ministries here across the nation around the world are taken care of as best we can. So thank you. May the Lord return a hundredfold what you've given this way in the days to come. Prayer partners, if you'll join me here at the front, if we can pray with you here, something stirring in your heart, we'd love to pray with you. And if that, especially that place of making that declaration, that confession that Jesus is Lord, He is my Lord, He is my Savior. If you've never told anybody that, come let us hear you say that. It, and we would rejoice with a new brother, a new sister in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Bless you. We'll see you next time. Love you. Praying for you this week. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen.